Dermot and Dave. Conversation, crack, and the music you love. Today FM. It all happens here. Today FM. Now, we need to talk about the Gwaeltacht because for a lot of us, it has special memories. Um, I went to the Gwaeltacht for any of our non native Irish uh, people, uh, people who were born outside of Ireland, just to, I guess, explain the whole concept. Uh, obviously, there's parts of Ireland where Irish is still spoken and uh, it is a bit of a rite of passage for thousands of Irish teenagers to head off to the Gaeltacht in the summertime. Usually early teens, that's when you head down and you hang out and you live in people's houses and um, it's just, a, I guess, it's a great fun summer. You start speaking your own original language in a way that probably you hadn't before. But most of all, it's about... I, you know, the things that go on there. Uh, I remember I had my proper first, as we called it back then, first French kiss <laughs> with a girl who was at least a foot and a half taller than me from Clondalkin out the back of the Hallecule. <laughs> so that's what I remember. Uh, but it is a rite of passage. And a summer trip to Ungeltuk, um involves meeting the Bannon Tea, which literally translated means woman of the house. And these are the ladies who open the doors to all the students and put up with us wrecking the place and constantly demanding jam sandwiches. Uh, but apparently the ban on tea concept, it's in danger. A brand new show on TG Kahar tonight is exploring the exodus of Manaw tea. And to chat about what's happening, we're joined by Eilish Ní Lucknáin, a ban on tea with Kaloshta Nílán on Letchermore Island in Galway. And the host of the show... Uh, which is uh, in Newhu on TG Cahar, uh, is Kevin McGee. Good morning to you both. Good morning. Hi. Hi. Yiv. Kunas Atashiv. Oh, Tom, come off, Russian. And that's about it. Don't push me anymore on this, Sue. <laughs> You'll see the holes in my, my ability. I bet you still remember. I bet you still remember the girl's name. Oh, I do. I don't. That's terrible. Terrible to say. Um, but uh, yeah, we didn't we didn't keep up the relationship after that, Kevin. I'm ashamed to say. Uh, but look, it, something is happening where the Manonati, that the Bananti is is becoming, I guess, almost extinct. And I guess the Gaeltacht really relies on the Bananti. And I know you have some statistics, Kevin, that it has fallen by nearly thirty percent. That's a lot. Yeah, well, I think I think to, to describe them as, uh, as being almost extinct now is is kind of um, a bit a bit too radical. But okay. the figures show, and these are new figures from the department. Uh, they show that in 2018 there were 712 balances in Ireland, and that had dropped in a four-year period to 495. That's a decline of 30 percent in four years. And the issue is, it's the speed with which this decline is happening is really the issue. If it was to replicate itself in another four years, another four years after that, then there's serious problems in the sector. And the sector is in deep, deep trouble if this rate of decline, as it currently is, continues. And what I've done in this documentary is I set off in northwest Donegal, travelled the gale-talked areas of Ireland, down through Connemara, West Cork, and round to Anrin to find out and speak to Ballantees and find out what is the problem, why are more Ballantees leaving the sector and, and at the rate at which they are. What, so that's what, what the programme, one aspect of the programme mm. is to ascertain why is that happening. And what did you discover? What were the reasons that they're getting out of the business, so to speak? The, 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 there's a, a cocktail of regions. There's a definite post-COVID factor. Um, the colleges were closed in 20, 2020 and 2021 during the pandemic. 
And uh, as a result of that, some Marathi just haven't returned to the sector. The age profile of Ballantese is much higher than um, the average person. Mm. There's changing social um, norms in Ireland. I mean, it used to be the Ballantese was in the house looking after the children. The Farantese was out working during the day. That's changed radically now to people working uh, in, in families. And uh, the, the, the issue as well, more being um, tempted into more lucrative ways of earning a living, like self-catering, for example, and simply not finding the current um, system lucrative enough for the amount of work that they do. And I mean, it is, and you'll hear from Elish, I'm sure, how demanding it can be looking after a house for the 12 teenagers. But what came up time and time again, speaking to various volunteers, was that how the responsibility has changed over the years. Um, how difficult, how uh, more, much more difficult it is now to meet the needs of teenagers than 10, 20, 30 years ago. For example, one volunteer down in West Cork talked about having to make three or four separate meals in the evening time. You know, the soups, uh, meals for the vegans, meals for the... Um, vegetarians and then means for everybody else so changing um ch- changing social norms as well and then of course there's the issue about startup costs if you want to enter this sector become a balance it's a lot more expensive a lot more rules and regulations than there used to be in terms of safety mechanisms alarms windows all that type of thing so the startup costs are high to enter the sector as well mm-hmm. that's a, a a flavor of the the reasons that i find why uh, Ballantese have been leaving the sector uh, at, a, at a faster rate than previously. Yeah, how, have you, how long have you been a Ballantese, Eilish? Um, I'm going into my 16th year now, this summer coming, I am. And have you seen any of these kinds of changes uh, that we spoke about there? Yes, I have, I suppose. Um, some haven't changed much at all, but yes, I suppose dietary requirements now would be a big one, where when I started off, there wouldn't really, you might get the odd vegetarian, but now a lot of people would be vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, have other problems with food, lactose intolerance and all that. So you could find yourself making three or four different meals at a dinner time and also, you know, selection of breakfast and the afternoon tea or the evening tea at night. So that would be, I suppose, the biggest change I would have seen since mm. I started myself. Yes. So you won't get away with the 17 kilos of jam sandwiches left on the table that I remember. No, actually, I don't. I haven't. I've had two years. Nobody's eaten jam. <laughs> Disgraceful. It seems to have gone on to something else. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it's yeah. a massive part of the local industry, isn't it? And, and it brings in so much money that if it was to die off and the students stop coming, it would have a huge impact, wouldn't it, on the on the local economy? It, oh God, it would. It would have a huge. I mean, it's just like a circular com- economy, really, because the Marathi get paid, if it's a two-week course or a three-week course, you get paid by the college and you get subsidised from the Rina Gasselda. So it's a lump sum of money you get into your bank account. So you can, And then you do refurbishments on your house with that money or whatever you, you know, you could be exiting a wall outside, putting down footpaths, re- redesigning your garden, putting in new windows, putting in your shop. So the trade people are benefiting from it maybe out in September or October. Mm. The bus drivers are benefiting from it because they're bringing the students back and forth. The local amenities, they're bringing the students to see whatever's going on in the area. The local shops are benefiting from it. The students who are going to, our local students who go to colleges are supervisors on the colleges. So there is, it's, it's a, it's, you know, it's a, a circular, as I said, a circular economy and everybody is benefiting from it. It's, it's a huge economic benefit to the area when they're in the area. And they're here for three months, an hour, mm. for three months of the year. 
So, yes, it is huge. And I don't think people realise the knock-on effect that the vanity gets paid okay, but the knock-on effect of where the, mon- the vanity puts her money afterwards it also yeah. is in play. Uh, have the teenagers, other than dietary requirements, do you, have you noticed a difference in them at all over the last, say, 20 years? I haven't really, I have to say. I haven't. Teenagers are teenagers, I suppose. <laughs> they don't yeah. change over the years, really. They really don't. I haven't seen a big change myself. Now, uh, the year after COVID, I found them very quiet and mm. very, uh, you know, maybe not interacting as much as I would in the years previous. Um, I found that, but that was across the board with everybody with COVID, really. I mean, just we didn't know how to interact with people because we were just kept away from people for about a, over a year. Yeah. So, But otherwise, no, it's the same crack all the time, same fun, same, you know, coming to... You would have students coming on the first night and they might be bawling their eyes at their homes because they want to go home. And the very last night, two weeks or three weeks later, whichever course you're running, they are... I hear them, they have it Kaylee at... They're allowed to out at 12 o'clock that night, midnight, so they're, they're driven home in minibuses then and coming in my drive, they're bawling their eyes out, like hysterically crying because the course is finished. Yeah, yeah. so they start crying and finish crying. Sounds great, Irish. And in between that, all the fun happens. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, Kevin, how do we fix it then? How do we bring more Bannantees back into the game so that all these students can keep coming and we can keep the local economies flourishing? Yeah, well, it, I mean, it is interesting because... One of the things that I found talking to the people who organize the courses and who run the colleges is just how frustrating it is for them because the waiting lists, I mean, I'm just looking through a brief list. Colour Sikama, she got a Mara, 1,300 children on the waiting list who would like to go there and spend the, the summer in the Guildhawk but can't. Colour Sikama, Mayo, 250 children on the waiting list. Colour Sikama, uh, Region, Rana Farsia, Chirconnell, 400 on the waiting list. So between those three colleges alone, 2,000 kids can't get places in the Guildhall. So that's very frustrating from the college's mm. perspective. The demand is there. The children want to go to the Guildhall to learn Irish. There just isn't the space for them. What can be done? Well, again, that's explored in the programme uh, tonight. Um, what, what is the, 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 um, the way forward? And I think that there has to be some sort of a, arrangement whereby um, the different stakeholders involved, the, the Marathi, the parents, the the college the, the authorities, the, um, the, the, the various RIN who have a, a, um, an interest in this, education and guild talk, have to come together and chart and plot a way forward. But at the end of the day, if you ask uh, um, people why they, they're leaving, well, you know, more lucrative ways of earning a living. And I'd say that there has to be a serious reappraisal as to how much a balance is paid per child. I mean, again, we look at the funding in the program. A balance gets €26.40 roughly per child per day. That's for four meals, accommodation, 24-hour supervision, where else would you get it? Yeah. Uh, Kevin, congratulations on the show. Can't wait for people to see it. It's going to be broadcast on TG Cahar um, and the TG Player at 9.30pm uh, tonight. The show is called Inuho and TG Cahar. And uh, thank you so much to Kevin and Eilish. Lovely to chat to you today. See you guys. Bye. Bye-bye. Dermot and Dave. Weekdays from 9am. Today FM.